Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. Uh, my name's Don. Uh, it's my, man, it's my honour to be amongst you tonight, and um, I'm really, really looking forward to getting stuck into our message tonight, part of the asking for the hashtag asking for a friend series, uh, looking at some of those questions that you have asked either on behalf of a friend or on behalf of yourself, but sneakily suggesting that there may be a friend who you're asking on behalf of, uh, hence the hashtag. And uh, this topic we're looking at tonight was one of the most asked out of all of them uh, in various different kinds of ways. Um, there, were kind of, it's, there were nuances of what we're actually going to be looking at tonight and many other more expl- explicitly directed questions, uh, not explicitly worded questions, it's just explicitly directed questions. Uh, and today's message is, do Christians hate women? That's where we're going. Do Christians hate women? Uh, the thing that most surprised me about that is that people were asking the question, do Christians hate women? Because if people are asking that question, uh, people don't just ask questions in a vacuum or in some sort of abstract kind of way. I mean, some of them, some of the questions that came in, uh, either online or um, via the website, social media, or in those asking for a friend forms that you may have filled out, some of them were, were quite clearly supposed to be comical, or uh, like a little bit abstract, like someone asked why, uh, oh no, I better not say that, it's a little bit personal. Uh, <clears throat> some of them were, were quite, you know, funny. Um, some of them were very serious. Uh, and this one, I go, well, even if someone thinks they're being funny, there's some context somewhere that people are wondering about this. Why do Christians hate women? Um, other things like that were, other questions like that that people asked were, how are we distinct uh, across gender? How are we the same? Um, What about women in leadership? How come there are no women elders at City Light? Um, Things like that. And today we're starting in Genesis 1, which for me, that's a really great place to start. Uh, And then we'll pray, we'll get stuck into it. This is Genesis 1 from verse 26. God had just made everything. Just made everything, just created it, spoke it into being. Uh, this, is, this is the God who we're talking about, is the God of just absolute pure volition. Uh, he says, let there be light, light has no choice but to come into existence. Uh, he says, you know, let there be all kinds of creepy, crawly things and whatnot, and boom, creepy, crawly things come into existence just at the sound of his voice. Uh, that's how powerful he is. And then he comes to this day of creation. In verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And this word for man here doesn't just mean the male, it means the, the human race. Let us make man in our, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own, own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then he he finishes by saying, and uh, it was very good. He was very pleased with his creation. 
So my question is, how do we go from male and female being made in God's image, ruling the ruling creation together under the lordship of God, to here in 2017 being asked, why do or do those people who claim to represent that same God hate women? How do we go from there to here? So that's what we're going to be exploring today. Um, hope you got your seatbelts on because it's going to be a ride. And uh, let's pray and we will get stuck into it. Father God, um, we thank you that you are the God who uh, does as you please because of your might and your majesty, because of your perfection, uh, because of your gloriousness. Your glory knows no bounds and no end. And uh, in your gloriousness, uh, you're also so loving and merciful to us. Uh, You're so beautiful to us, not just because of your holiness, not just because of your perfection, uh, but because of your your volition towards us. That you'd love us, uh, even though we rebel. We rebelled as uh, people and we rebel as individuals, but you still love us. My hope tonight and my request is that uh, we would have uh, softened spirits to your Holy Spirit moving amongst us, that we would hear you um, by your Spirit, by your Word. Uh, help us to have open hearts and open minds, that we would, we would be formed and shaped by your Scripture, um, that we would become more and more like Jesus as your Holy Spirit does his refining work in us. Uh, as individuals and as your church, in Jesus' holy name we ask. Amen. So, do Christians hate women? Uh, just like the last couple of weeks, this is actually a really easy answer. The answer is no. Um, so we can we could just pack up and kind of go home, but I'd, but I'd love to. We could get into that uh, chicken and beef and uh, vegetarian deliciousness that's waiting for us. Uh, but if you would, let's spend a few a few minutes actually looking at uh, why people might ask this question. What is a good answer, uh, and how do we as a community, and how do you as individuals, and not just, this is not just for the men, this is for the men and the women here, for all of you, uh, in how do gospel-formed, gospel-shaped people treat women, not just, again, in an abstract kind of way, but the women amongst us, women that we love, and uh, women in general. Uh, here's how, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at how did Jesus treat women? Then we're going to look at how did the scripture writers in the early church treat women? How did the church throughout history treat women? And how do we treat women today? That's where we're going. Sound all right? If you're thinking, well, how come we're not doing one on do Christians hate men? Because nobody asked. <coughs> so how were, how were, how were uh, women treated in Jesus' day? So to give us a perspective on how did Jesus treat women, I think we need to look at uh, and if we're going to look at what a stark kind of how meaningful it was, the things that he did, we're going to look at what culture was he actually doing those things in and amongst. So um, Alvin Schmidt wrote a book, um, How Christianity Changed the World, gives some insight into how women were treated in the time when Jesus walked the earth. This is what he has to say. Uh, in ancient Greece, a respectable woman was not allowed to leave the house unless she was accompanied by a trustworthy male escort. So no like personal autonomy. A wife was not permitted to eat or interact with male guests in her husband's home. Not in her home, in her husband's home. She had to retire to her women's quarters. So she has her own 
space. Um, <clears throat> men kept their wives under lock and key, and women had the social status of a slave. So this is the time we're talking about, uh, social status of a slave. And man, when we're talking about, when we talk about this, there are places in the world even now where these things still apply. These cultural things have not moved on. And when we talk about the Christians hate women, uh, one of the things I want you to think about, especially as we look through this, is the places to even be able to ask that question uh, in a certain place, in a certain cultural context, in a certain period of time in, in the world. Uh, I, I actually think we're standing on the shoulders of Christians throughout the last few thousand years who've actually brought us to this place where we even as a culture uh, hold women in high regard. Because you look at the places where Christianity has not flourished in the world today and you see the things we're talking about here, that how the, the way that women were treated in Jesus' time are still how women are treated now. What else? Girls weren't allowed to go to school. When they grew up, they were not allowed to speak in public. Women were absolutely considered inferior to men. The Greek poets equated women with evil. Remember Pandora and her box. Women were responsible for unleashing evil on the world. Sorry, women. Uh, the status of a Roman woman was also very low. Roman law placed a wife under the absolute control of her husband who had ownership of her and all of her possessions. So she wasn't her own person. She was owned by her husband. This is in Rome. He could divorce her if she went out in public without a veil. A husband had the power of life and death over his wife, just as he did his children. As with the Greeks, women were not allowed to speak in public. The Jewish women also barred from speaking in public. The oral law prohibited women from reading the Torah out loud. Synagogue worship was segregated, so in their worship, like in a temple, people would be probably more likely standing rather than sitting, but be women on one side, men on the other. Uh, and women were never allowed to be heard. So this is the context. When Jesus actually uh, stepped into creation, stepped into time, this is the time and this is the culture that he came into. Women were not their own people. Women were as good as property, treated like a slave. And when you think about slave, don't think about like servants in the Victorian era and uh, don't really, I mean, it's probably more likely you'll be thinking about African-American era slavery, uh, but it's, it's somewhere kind of in between. And here comes Jesus. And these are three things I want to highlight about how Jesus treated women. Firstly, he cared for women. Secondly, he regarded women. And thirdly, he reveals a woman's worth. So how did he care for women? The way Jesus treated women with respect was scandalous. Scandalous in his time. If you read through the scriptures and you read through how Jesus encountered women, uh, reading him through a 2017 kind of lens, you might go, oh, that seems fairly like, you know, standard. If you read it from a first century Jewish perspective, scandalous! He, uh, even to his own disciples, his disciples were surprised at how he treated women. Uh, like his encounter with women at the well. She was not only a Samaritan who were considered like dogs to Jews, but she was a, a Samaritan woman. And this is, uh, this is his interaction recorded with her. In fact, when the disciples came back, just then his disciples came back, they marveled that he was talking to a woman. They marveled. Here's Jesus. Whoa, Jesus is talking to a woman? Why would Jesus be talking to a woman? Not only a Samaritan, but a woman. And said, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? They were kind of so astounded, they don't even like, they don't, they don't want to dig any deeper. They're like, whoa, this is, what is going on here? He 
cares for women, that he would actually speak with a woman in public, scandal. He cries with his friend Mary in public. You read through John, you know the shortest verse, Jesus wept. Um, just before that, Martha, um, I mean Lazarus, their friend has just died. Uh, he's got two sisters, Martha and Mary, and uh, Mary greets him. And Back then, this was really a communal kind of grieving process. The crowd's around, and Martha comes out, and, and Jesus is telling her, you know, I, don't you realise I've got the power over life and death? Like, uh, I, am, I, I can do some stuff here. She goes, yeah, I understand that when you, you are the Christ, you're the anointed one. When you come back, Lazarus will rise with you. This is all good. And she really prophesies over Jesus uh, who he is. And uh, then she goes off and does some stuff. Other people crowd around. Mary comes along. And when he sees Mary's grief, he just starts to bawl it. He cares for women, that he would cry with her in public. Again, in our day, it does not sound scandalous in Jesus' day. Oh man, he cared for women. He rebukes the leaders and honours the offering of an elderly widow. He rebukes the leaders and honours the gift of a sinful woman, forgiving her sins. Now, he stops the crowd and stuns his disciples when uh, a woman touches him in faith and is healed. And he, he turns and honours her. He really cares for women. He also regarded women. Luke 8 says, Soon afterward, he went, through, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chaza, which is such a great name. I think it's due for a comeback. <laughs> if you're planning on having kids, and one of them is like a male kid, Chaza sounds Australian, but it's also biblical. Chaza... <clears throat> Uh, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their means. They participated in Jesus' ministry. Not only are they like, walking with him and he's caring for them, but he regards them. They participate in his kingdom ministry. He treats them like men, in a way, in, in how he regards them, which is outrageous for his day, that he would do this. Again, in our day, because we've had 2,000 years of Christians preaching we need to care for and regard and reveal the worth women have intrinsically, inherently as image bearers. Uh, it doesn't seem scandalous to us, but in Jesus' day, absolutely scandalous. He teaches them, he lives with them, he converses with them, he partners with them in ministry. The roles of women in Jesus' ministry are different from the men, for sure. So there are no female uh, apostles, they're not numbered amongst the twelve um, but they are with him for sure. They're of great significance. They were friends, providers. They were carers, uh, proclaimers, students, prophets, all as Jesus is walking with them. He values a woman's testimony. You know, women couldn't give testimony back in Jesus' day. They couldn't do it. The testimony was invalid in any kind of court of law because they had no worth. Why would you listen to a woman but Jesus listens to the women. Jesus values her testimony. When Martha gives the testimony, you are Christ. He validates her and says, yeah, man, I am. He values a woman's intellect. He engages with the Samaritan woman at the well. He actually argues with her. To argue with someone, you need to value their opinion. He values a woman's emotions when he weeps with Mary. He values a woman's life when he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead, from death. Man, he, he shows such great regard for women. 
And he also reveals a woman's worth. No, he doesn't, he doesn't like gift them with worth. He reveals the worth that they have. They're, they're image bearers. Made in the image of God, male and female, he created them. Them. It might sound, again, like a ridiculous thing to say in 2017 in Australia, but it's because of Jesus and his followers and his followers over time that it seems stupid to say that women have worth, that women are uh, equal with men. The women in God's eyes, are not, not just in God's eyes even, just women are ontologically, in, in our essence, we are created equal before God. And Jesus comes and um, radi- radically reorients the cultural perspective that women are inferior, that women are lesser than, and says, no, 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 no. They are not just, um, they're not just property. Uh, in that day, they weren't just marginalized, they were subjugated. Um, but he actually goes in, in one, in one instance, he calls a woman, you daughter of Abraham. He calls another guy, uh, Zacchaeus, daughter of, uh, son of Abraham. And so he's equating men and women in their worth and in their worthiness because of their image bearing. Does that make sense? Again, it might not sound controversial to say that in this day. You might think, why are you even bringing this up? Like, what's the deal? We'll get to that. <clears throat> uh, he loves women just as he loves the men. He's not showing partiality towards men. Absolutely, there, there are some um, different ways that their giftedness is utilized in the kingdom. But there's no preferential treatment with Jesus. He radically calls these women his friends. And what does he say he does for his friends? He lays down his life for his friends, for the women and for the men. He pays for the sins of the women just as he pays for the sins of the men, bringing them into co-heirship. So not just co-image bearers, but now co-heirs with him in the kingdom. You know how radical it is in first century Jewish life for a woman to be a co-heir with a man. It's radical. And Jesus says, uh, because of Jesus, uh, women and men, we now are co-heirs. We have an equal inheritance, uh, equally children of the king, equally validated uh, in our righteousness, which isn't ours at all, but it's given to us by Christ. It's awesome. Dorothy says, uh, she was a friend of C.S. Lewis, she wrote this, she said, perhaps it's no wonder that women were first at the cradle and last at the cross. They'd never known a man like this man. Uh, There'd never been such another, a prophet and teacher who never nagged at them, never flattered or coaxed or patronized, never made um, jokes about them, never treated them either as the woman, God help us, or the ladies, God bless them, who rebuked without querulousness and praised without condescension, who took their questions and arguments seriously, who never mapped out their sphere for them, never, arg- never urged them to be feminine or jeered them for being female, had no axe to grind and no uneasy maldignity to defend, who took them as he found them and was completely unselfconscious. That's why women love Jesus. And I put to you that uh, we as representative, representatives of Jesus uh, should be likewise making this same appeal uh, to men and especially to women who might feel like asking the question, do Christians hate women? 
because they're not seeing this lived out amongst Jesus' followers. They might see it in Jesus, but they're asking it because they're not seeing it lived out amongst Jesus' followers. Jesus' first followers, the first Christians, how did they treat women? They also cared for women. They also regarded women. And they also lived in light of their women's worth. Let's just quickly go through this. Uh, Firstly, they cared for their women. One of the first arguments the early church had was about how best to look after their widows. How can we best look look after our vulnerable women amongst us? This is where the first deacons came from. Seven men specifically selected to look look after the vulnerable women in their community. They go to pains to look after one another in the early church. Uh, Henry Chadwick wrote about the early church, He said, Christianity seems to have been especially successful among women. It was often thought the wives that it penetrated, uh, it was often through the wives that it penetrated the upper class of society in the first instance. Christians believed in the equality of men and women before God and found in the New Testament commands that husbands should treat their wives with such consideration and love as Christ manifested for his church. In fact, we're explicitly commanded as husbands to do that. Christian teaching about the sanctity of marriage offered a powerful safeguard to marry women. They cared for women. It wasn't a done thing in the culture of the day. One of the things that really, I mean, it astounded me. Um, very recently, I had an experience where uh, I went to the footy, the Crows lost. It's the first time I've been to the footy in a long time, so I'm not going to go again. <laughs> and uh, I was... Uh, invited by a guy from church, a guy from City Light, and um, the other guys weren't from City Light, and so it was a really good opportunity to kind of get to know them and uh, see how they're going, non-Christian fellas, and just hear about them and learn about them and uh, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I, like the next day or the day after, um, I was hearing back from my mate from City Light who had invited me, and uh, he said, you know what really stuck out to these people was uh, my friend specifically mentioned that you talked up your wife. And he said... None of my mates do that. So the only thing I ever hear from my friends is talking down about their wives. So it was so unusual to hear somebody talking up their wife that it was actually, he actually verbalized that it was so significant to him. And I don't even remember saying anything about Beck, although she's so easy to talk up that uh, you know, it just comes naturally. Uh, but that, it was so unusual in that day I'm telling you what, it's not, it's not so usual these days. That when people, especially women, just in society, don't feel valued in society, the fact that they're asking that same, the same thing of a Christian community and not necessarily noticing it within a Christian community should cause significant alarm bells for us. Paul writes, uh, so they cared for women, they regarded women Paul writes, confirming the gospel revelation, uh, that in terms of worth, there is now no Jew or Greek, no slave or free, no man or woman. He's not saying that we're all now just some homogenous kind of blob of humanity. What he's saying is, in terms of worth, there's no distinction. There's no preference. There's no pecking order. There's no hierarchy. that God doesn't distinguish between male and female when he's um, deciding who to love, when he's um, gifting righteousness or the faith to receive grace. 
He doesn't say, well, you know, we're going to have this many Jews and this many Gentiles and more Jews and Gentiles, more men than women, more... It's like it's better to be a boss than it is to be a slave. He says, no, no, no. Uh, that is, th- those distinctions are now not in the kingdom of God. This is one of the things that was so stuck amongst the early church was that in their Sunday gatherings, they would have slaves singing praise and raising their hands in worship alongside masters. And then in the gathering, and even as they went, they were not just co-image bearers, but co-heirs in Christ. And they would still function differently. Like the master was still a master, the slave was still a slave, the man was still a man, and the woman was still a woman. Uh, The Greek was still a Greek, and the Jew was still a Jew. Uh, But in the kingdom, there's no distinction amongst those things when it comes to worth. There's no preferential treatment towards men in Christ's family. When you read the pastoral letters in the New Testament, um, so we're talking about regarding women in the early church, the writers sent instructions to the church, and many include honoring mentions of women. See, the apostles, man, they thought very highly of Priscilla. She's mentioned a bunch of different times. At the end of Romans, uh, Paul is, is saying, greet this person, greet that person, greet this person. He's saying, man, I, I know and love these people. They are co-laborers, co-heirs, co-image bearers. Say good day to them on my behalf. And he specifically talks about Phoebe and Mary, Julia, um, Nereus's, Nereus's sister. I don't know if he just couldn't remember her name or what the story was. Uh, <clears throat> maybe he only met her once, but he remembered that you know she was doing some good things for the Lord. Um, he says, Segedated Junior. He says, man, she is um, specific. He specifically highlights her as an example, saying the apostles highly regard Junior. In one, um, in one translation, it says she is outstanding. Philip and his daughters would prophesy. Uh, in Philippians 4, Paul writes, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Sin... I can't pronounce her name. Sintaich, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He's honoring these women. He's saying, please get along because you are co-laborers in Christ. And he's saying, they're co-laborers with me. He even, he, he claims apostleship. He's saying, I'm, I'm an apostle, untimely born. Like I didn't, I, I, I wasn't a d- disciple of Jesus while he was still walking around, but he came to me after the resurrection and anointed, like appointed me an apostle to the Gentiles. And so saying, I am an apostle and these people are co-laborers with me, men and women, no distinction. Again, doesn't sound particularly scandalous to us today. Uh, but in his time, absolutely. These letters also include instruction on how to look after vulnerable women in their midst. Uh, instruction specifically given to women on how to disciple other women, how best to represent Jesus, that the value doesn't come from how they dress or are looking important, but because they're important to God. Um, these given right alongside similar instructions specifically given to men. There's no partiality. There's value, there's regard, there's honor for women just as for men. Uh, they lived in light of their women's worth as well. They shared everything together. They proclaimed the gospel together. They bore one another's burdens together. Um, they taught women, which was not a regular thing to teach a woman in their time. Uh, and women taught. They had women exercising their spiritual gifts inside the church and outside the church. 
Um, they listened to women. The opinions of women, the intellect of women was valued amongst the Christians. And they valued the women as co-heirs in Christ. Man, it, again, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but this was radical for his time. And again, the reason it doesn't seem so radical for us today is because of the gospel. It's because it was radical in its time. It's because men and women faithfully lived out the gospel uh, over time, over years. They taught the next generation of Christians, people who were coming into the kingdom or their, their children, they were teaching them um, about the gospel, about their co-heirship. And as that uh, seeped into culture, we have, and at least stand on, the work of those who preached that gospel, lived out that gospel, embodied that gospel over time. Did the church always treat women well over the last 2,000 years? Uh, You do not need to be a historian to know. They did not. Does the church across the world treat women well today? Um, Only well. It does not. It does not. Women are not treated well uh, in many places. And sometimes that looks like just outright subjugation. Sometimes that looks like mishandling scripture. Sometimes it just looks like just a marginalization. So you might, uh, you might be in a community that says, yes, of course, we value women. Uh, but what's actually embodied, what's actually lived out, does not display that gospel, does not embody the gospel of co-heirship. Does making sense? So why would someone ask the question, do Christians hate women? If we see Jesus only loving women. We see the early church striving to love women well. Striving to see them using their spiritual gifts. Striving to see them um, taught and trained well in the gospel. Uh, Striving to see women looked after. uh, who, Who were more vulnerable in their time. And even today, Women are still, even in Australia, uh, in many ways, more vulnerable than men. So you look at, uh, in an average relationship, in an average, this might not obviously be the same for every relationship, in an average relationship in Australia, uh, most domestic violence is, um, amongst couples, is from men to women, because men are, again, in most couples, physically stronger than their wives. Uh, men are, sorry, women are more economically vulnerable than men, especially, again, in, in marriage relationships because uh, when they come out of the workforce maybe to have children, uh, they're not developing skills maybe uh, for the workforce. They're not developing or um, saving money in their superannuation, whereas men are. So men are in a much easier place to abandon a woman and still be economically viable than women are to leave men, especially as you get older. And again, this is, these are generalizations. Uh, but in general, still, these days, women are more vulnerable. More females are aborted than males across the world. Uh, and I'm thankful that like largely, it is the Christians who are advocating for the life of the unborn females. Uh, it is the Christians advocating for 
uh, women who are um, trafficked into sex slavery or even locally in prostitution, even, even uh, Anchor Church, which we planted last week out of City Light, the week before out of City Light, so we work amongst these vulnerable women. Uh, who are the ones running women's shelters and emergency accommodation? The governments, for sure, but primarily and especially throughout time, it's the Christians, because Christians value women. So why would someone ask this question? Uh, here are a couple of reasons. <clears throat> Firstly, because there are people in the church who don't love women like Jesus commands us to. Why do people ask, do Christians hate women? It's because they see Christians hating women. Or people at least claiming, claiming Christian, uh, who just are not treating women well. People who want to hold on to power. People who look at a particular way of, or a particular cultural understanding where they might have some power over a woman and go, yeah, I actually like that. Or go, you know what, 1950s, the little women, and I'll get home and my, uh, uh, my drink is ready, my food is ready, uh, I go out and do as I please and come home, uh, and the house is tidied like I have a little slave at home. And they go, I like that, that's what I want. Or it could be because there are people in the church or churches who don't understand or don't want to understand what Scripture says. So there are men and women who incorrectly think that when they see male servant eldership or leadership in the home, it means that all women should submit to all men, which is the stupidest idea. That men general, that women generally should submit to men generally is a crazy, crazy proposition. Because many men do not love women, do not have the best interests of women at heart. Um, the Apostle Paul is often accused of being a misogynist, or in, you know, in one place he says, um, women should learn quietly and not speak in church gatherings. Um, but Paul's teachings on women um, really do reflect the creation order and high value God places on women as creatures made in his image. Paul commands. For husbands and wives in Ephesians 5, uh, Paul's commands for husbands and wives in Ephesians 5 provide just a completely different way of understanding marriage to how it worked in the time. Uh, It's an earthbound illustration of the spiritual mystery of the union of Christ and his bride, the church. He calls on wives uh, to submit to their husbands as to the Lord, and he calls on husbands to submit to Christ and to love his wives as Christ loved the church, laying down their lives for him, for them, for the wives. Uh, this is completely antithetical to what we heard just before about women essentially being the husband's property, essentially being as slaves. He says, no, 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 no. The men are the servants. Paul elevates women to a position of honour previously um, unknown in the world, Really? Um, why else do people think that Christians might hate women? It's because there are people in the church who are pursuing a particular cultural application of relationships rather than a gospel application of relationships. Again, looking maybe to like a Victorian era um, Britain rather than and saying, yeah, that looks really awesome. Let's pursue that kind of model of, of male and female relationships rather than gospel communities. Uh, Rebecca Merkel writes, we Christians, particularly women, need to fight harder to recapture the idea of feminine excellence, too often in the name of 
conservatism, we've brought into, we've bought into the stereotype and embraced the helpless, soft, little woman persona, thinking that this is what it looks like to be feminine. It's just, but we need to actually study our Bibles and learn to embody virtue like women, obedience like women, ambition like women, wisdom like women, courage like women, faithfulness like women, strength like women, because Christian women are not weak. Christian women are strong. Christian women are bold. Christian women are jars of clay like men, and within these jars of clay is this precious message of the gospel of whom they are co-heirs and co-laborers. It's not the, it's not the jar that gives you the value. It's not the, the jar that um, shows what you're worth. It's not the jar that you look at. It's what is in the jar that gives it the value, gives it the worth. It's true for men and women. We rebellious humans who would go to God with our religious activity and say, here's our best, and he looks at it like a steaming pile. But because we are a new creation, because we have received grace, we now go to God with, in our new creation, with our uh, renewed hearts, um, together with, again, as co-laborers, co-heirs, um, there's, there is nothing in Scripture, nothing in Scripture that should lead to this adoption of um, the humble, yes, but uh, subservient woman, Christian. It's not in Scripture. Why else? Oh, man, we are running out of time. <clears throat> this is actually where I really wanted to spend most of our time tonight. And... Uh, we're not going to do it. Spent too long talking about Jesus. So here we are. What a, what a good thing. Um, why else? We'll, we'll just truncate it. Why else do people think that Christians hate women? I think it's because there are people inside the church and outside the church who don't understand what it means to, be, to pursue complementary relationships. Uh, we, see, like we identify, we, uh, we pursue uh, a complementarian style of um, of male and female interaction because that's what we see in scripture and there is yeah we can do this in a few minutes <clears throat> there is a there is a spectrum that runs from patriarchal on the one side to um uber feminist on the other and, and then as I, as we come closer maybe to the middle. I'm not suggesting we pursue the middle. I'm just saying this is, the, this is the spectrum. You might have an egalitarian understanding here and a complementarian understanding here. And from our, from our perspective as City Light, we think that the gospel is about here, like scripture is about here. Uh, and patriarchy, we reject patriarchy. We reject it. That men are better than women. That women should be subservient to men that there is even a, a, some hierarchical um, gendering amongst people. And we, likewise, we, re, we reject um, a progressive like cultural uh, 2017 feminism on the other side that would say, actually, uh, gender is just a social construct and uh, none of that matters in any way. But then, uh, closer to the middle, I think... 
uh, anything outside this bounds, you really, you're really getting on. Uns- it'd be very, very difficult, I would say impossible to argue those from Scripture. But I'd say within these two, complementarian and egalitarian, it would be possible to argue from Scripture. Egalitarian would say, well, we're co- co-laborers, co-heirs, co-image bearers. Therefore, because there's no distinction in honor, no distinction in value, no distinction in worth, likewise, there's no distinction at all. No distinction in roles, no distinction uh, um, in, in anything. That we are just humans and nothing else. And over here in complementarian um, relationships would say, we do agree with our egalitarian uh, brothers and sisters that uh, there is no distinction when it comes to value. There is no distinction when it comes to worth. There is no distinction when it comes to gifting and the, and the Holy Spirit being poured out uh, and on sp- even spiritual gifts and spiritual gifting. But we do see in Scripture that in the church and in the home, there are some specific roles around, in particular, male servant leadership, which is not in any way saying men are better. It's not in any way saying men are more gifted. It's not even saying that men um, are more gifted in the things that they're doing, but out of obedience we submit ourselves to Scripture in the ways that we see, uh, and, and that is only restricted to church and hope. And we look to places like uh, Ephesians 5, 1 Timothy 2, Corinthians 14, um, Titus 2, for example. Um, we look to um, Jesus installing um, only male elders in the headship of the church. Um, and, and so, again, we'd, we'd say, at Cedarlight, we would fall into the complementarian camp. And really, we're, we're talking about only male eldership in every other way in every other aspect of church life, we want to see men and women exercising every gifting, exercising, uh, pursuing every kind of fruitfulness um, that they can. Um, but we see, oh man, I wish I had more time to unpack this. Next week, I'm going to preach this at Glenelg. And so listen to the podcast because I'll truncate the first half and like spend more time here, okay? So we'll call this part A and next week part B. Yikes. From our website, um, this is how we put it. We are deeply committed to the fundamental spiritual and moral equality of male and female and to men as responsible servant leaders in the home and church. The men are not better. They're not more gifted. They're, They're not hierarchical. But purely because we read in Scripture and we submit to Scripture, we see God calling for men to lead as elders in the church, to guard the doctrine of the church. Are they better equipped to do that? I don't believe that they are. But I believe that we're, we want to have that because we're obedient to the Scriptures. Does that make sense? The Bible doesn't say men are better. It just says men are particularly, or even, not even all men, just qualified men, are particularly um, set apart for that particular role. There's more on the website. I encourage you to go look it up. Oh boy. Okay, we need to like breeze through this. Uh, what does that mean for outside the church? It means that women should absolutely be leaders in the workplace. Women should be leaders in the government, socially leaders. 
Uh, absolutely, in every way. Women CEOs, women presidents, bring it on, absolutely. Uh, women elders, we don't see that in Scripture. Um, should women um, be exercising their spiritual gifts in every single way? A couple of months ago, I wrote to uh, a bunch of our women uh, at City Light, and I said, um, independent of this, just said, hey, uh, how are you feeling about how you're being encouraged in your, in your gifting to, to exercise, to like, you know, um, flex your spiritual muscles? And every single one of them said, we hear it preached from the pulpit, and we see it written in our documents, uh, we, we know that this is true, and yet it's not embodied amongst our people. We've kind of defaulted to not just male leadership in, in eldership, but just uh, in, in every kind of way that somehow we just, by osmosis, have developed this kind of opinion that, well, the, the blokes will do it. Uh, and we need to, as a community, um, rail against that. especially as complementarians, especially because we see in Scripture and we want to model that in our churches, um, that um, we look in obedience to Scripture, that we have only men as elders, that we need to even more so, because you'll only see men in that position of um, holding the doctrine of the church, uh, which is the fundamental role of elders. Uh, We need to even more so be working to see the flourishing of the women in our midst in the exercising of their spiritual gifts, in every way. Acts 2, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Uh, so what's our, what's our response to this? Like Jesus, like the early church, we need to care for our women. The community of the church should be the place women flourish the most in a gospel-soaked, love-giving, God-honoring community. And it's all of our responsibility to live out the gospel in a way that would bring out this kind of community. We can't just default to or get lazy in this in just um, assuming that because we see men being, and my hope is that elders aren't ever seen as like the, the top dogs. We are the hopefully, Lord willing, uh, the greatest or pursuing to be the greatest servants of us all. Um, But we need to see this kind of community amongst us, embodied amongst all of us. That a single mom should have no better home than in the church. That the widow would have no better home than in the church. The abandoned wife, the working mom, the single woman, stay-at-home mom should all find in the church the place they're cared for the most. They flourish the most. They have the opportunity to serve and exercise their gifts in eternity-changing ways the most. It means for you young men, the way we date is different to how culture dates. It means for you husbands, the way you treat your wives is different to the way that culture treats their wives. It means for you women, the way you treat other women is different to the way that culture, women in culture treat other women in culture. It's different because we're gospel people. We care for women and we regard women. I love how Jen Wilkins says this. She says, Many women in the church are fighting to be seen as necessary beyond children's ministry and women's ministry. 
They're fighting to contribute more than hospitality or a soft voice on the praise team. They're looking for leadership trajectories for women in the local church and finding virtually nothing. They watch their brothers receive advocacy and wonder who will invite them and equip them to lead well. We must fight for our women. We want to see women really unleashed uh, in their gospel prowess, equipped in their gospel calling. Who are the women in your life, uh, in your families, in your discipleship groups, in your social circles? How might they be empowered and unleashed for this kind of gospel ministry? We also must work to champion the importance of the role that God has given only to women, which is mother. Only women can be mothers. Uh, Those women whom God has blessed with this role often find themselves uh, at the very heart of God's redemptive plan, fulfilling a role no man has ever been given the privilege to share, a role with potentially no greater impact on the kingdom of God um, than any other, potentially. And lastly, we reveal our women's worth, the women amongst us. It's part of our job as, in, as communities that embody the gospel is to show we're not fighting for some sort of um, cultural feminism. We're, we're wanting to embody and show and just not give women worth, but to just shine a light on the worth that they have, on the gifts that they have, on the beauty that they have, on the ferociousness for the gospel that they have, the boldness that they already have. We're not conservative. We're a radical gospel community. We're not progressive. We're biblically faithful. We're not all about traditional values values or feminist values. We want to value what Jesus valued. We want to come under the... We want to submit to what Scripture has to say. And Scripture does not say women in a box. Scripture says it's time to like unleash the beast. Christians don't hate women. Uh, we should love women the most because we love like Jesus loves and he loves women the most. Really, this is the answer. We, we love women the most and if we don't, we've got to go into that. We, ha- we have to. We don't, man, we don't have a choice about this. It's not something that we can go, well, yeah, we'll get to this in a couple of years because people are asking the question. It's not happening. Uh, I'm sorry for the times that just the church, if I can speak on behalf of the church, not just City Light, but, but the church. I'm sorry for the times for you women that you have not been valued like this. You've not been regarded like this. You've not been cared for like this. Uh, it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't happen. And if you felt like that at City Light, man, that's, it breaks my heart. Because it shouldn't happen. I'm sorry for times, even in this church, maybe your voice has been diminished or you felt steamrolled by blokes. Uh, your ideas have been ignored or your talents neglected or your intellect has gone unobserved. Um, you, haven't really, you haven't felt unleashed, you've really felt just caged. And the more t- I know how it works. Like The more times this happens, the less likely you are to offer your opinion. The less likely you are to offer your intellect, the less likely you are to offer your giftedness. So can we, can we, uh, as a community, maybe just draw some sort of line in the sand and go, well, we're not going to behave like that anymore. We're going to embody the gospel in the way that we 
treat women. And this is not just for men treating women. This is for us as a community, men and women, and how we treat women. We need to care for them. We need to regard them. We need to... Um, what was the last one? Reveal their worth. We've got to do it. We don't actually have a choice as a Christian community, lest people keep asking, do Christian, why do Christians hate women? Okay, we've gone on enough. If you have more questions, ask them in your DGs uh, or listen to the podcast from Glenelg next week where it'll be like 80% new material. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, uh, we, well, we firstly confess uh, we have, in your church, just not treated women well. These are your daughters. Uh, these are, well, they're literally princesses in the kingdom. They're daughters of the king. And we've not treated them as such, as a community. Uh, we, we repent of that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to look to culture for how we treat women amongst us. Uh, we don't want to look to I mean, any particular culture throughout time except for the culture of the gospel, that, that Holy Spirit-empowered, word-shaped culture that um, honours and values, uh, cares for, respects, admires, listens to, um, teaches women. Uh, the same way that you love women, we see that um, revealed in the way that Jesus has loved um, I mean, indiscriminately between men and women. So lavishly. We, we likewise want to love women amongst us. We're sorry for those times that um, women amongst us have felt, felt marginalised or <clears throat> that they um, have felt or even like have been passed over uh, just out of habit or cultural or in any way because of um, the gospel not being properly applied and embodied and lived out where we are. We repent of that. We don't want to do that. Uh, But in every way, help us as individuals and as a community to uh, care for and love the, the gifts that you've given to this community, which is its women. Father, we love you and we're so thankful that uh, we have this inheritance, we share in this inheritance together, men and women. Um, We thank you that you have given us worth. We squandered our worth, our image um, bearingness, and we have given us worth because of Jesus. We thank you for this. Help us to live in light of this. Help us to live in light of um, the gospel. And uh, in every way, help us to live God-honoring lives that we've been a community that no one would ever ask why do Christians hate women because our women are loved, our women flourish, our women are uh, bold and um, ferocious in their pursuit of holiness, ferocious in the pursuit of and the proclamation of your gospel. Um, and we have such women amongst us. And we, I'm confident we do. Um, Lord, unleash him upon us. Prayerless in Jesus' holy name and for his sake.
Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.